0: It's time. Scott turned it over to Horvath, right to the slot, Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do for Locked On Canucks? Now Pedersen out on the right wing side, saucer pass, left circle, Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You gotta generate the run! The kids continue to get it done with Justin Morissette. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. as it is your Locked Canucks coming to you the morning of Tuesday, February the 9th, the day after the Canucks fall 3-1 on the road to the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, are swept in the three-game series in Toronto. Three straight losses at the hands of the Leafs, five straight losses on this trip. Uh, it has not gone well for Vancouver and... Uh, Three games really to forget. Of course, yesterday's was the best of the bunch. Uh, A pretty strong effort for Vancouver through the first 40 minutes. Pretty strong effort for about, I don't know, 50 of the 60 total minutes in this one. And yet, not quite enough uh, to get the W. Um... That's just the way things are going for this club right now, but uh, to talk about last night's game and really to talk about the entire three-game series between these teams, I caught up with Mike DiStefano of Locked on Leafs for a crossover episode, and well, you know how I start these things off almost every single day. It was a lengthy chat, so let's get to it.
1: Justin, first and foremost, how are you? Um, is your mental health okay after the shellacking this past week at the hands of the Maple Leafs?
0: I'm I'm doing great, uh, Mike. It's good to be here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you, you know, like I I had a couple tweets on Saturday night, uh, taking some shots at the Leafs reverse retro jerseys because, uh,
1: they're awful, yeah, they are awful. I'm with you on they're, that. They're... I, I'm not a fan. There are a lot of people who like them and they're like, Oh, I think they're cool, I'm like they're literally. Maybe the worst that I've seen in the entire National Hockey League.
0: they are just god awful, like practice jersey level jerseys, the sort of thing that you would expect to see, uh, at like Walmart or, uh, you know, the, the, a Zellers.
1: That's exactly what I said. I was like, this is something you see at Canadian Tire, it's awful, but I'm Although you know, it's not that bad either. The Canucks, they, they needed some <laughs> piping in between theirs, but. Toronto's are bad.
0: Well, I I called them ugly, basically, and a ton of Toronto people jumped on me like, "You want to talk ugly? Uh, how about uh, the way the Canucks are doing?" Hey, and it's like, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know that Vancouver is bad. Like, you're not owning me by pointing out that this team is doing terrible. I'm well aware of that, and there is a pretty sizable contingent, I think of the faithful here in this city right now who are uh, kind of, you know, devilishly looking on with a massive grin like, uh, you know, that Jack Nicholson gif from anger management that gets used so often online. There is uh, a contingent of people who, the worse the results get, are are more anticipatory of, uh, you know, some kind of grander change for this team organizationally, Um, and if that is going to happen? I think there's an argument that that's long overdue because this is a management group that has been essentially in charge for seven years now. And what do they have to show for uh, their work over the course of what is the better part of a decade? You know, two great pieces in Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, but anybody can draft at the top of the draft, just about. You know, it's (laughs) it's not an accomplishment to save your job when... All you have are are two strong players, but have shown a complete inability to build around them, as uh, as demonstrated by the way the Leafs just completely dismantled this roster over the course of 180 minutes.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know, well, let's talk a little bit about before we get to this game, um, because I, I, Vancouver actually played well tonight. Vancouver was the better team. First and foremost, I thought that they should have won that game. If it wasn't for, you know, that little 15-second spurt in the third period, Vancouver very well could have won that game the way that they were playing out there tonight. But uh, instead, it's the Leafs picking up the two points, and Vancouver's losing streak continues. And uh, obviously, the, the fans and everybody out in Vancouver just not happy with the way that things are going I talked about this a little bit on Friday on the on the podcast, and, and me and Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects were kind of just having a conversation about how much on the hot seat do we think that Benning and Travis Green are on. So, from someone who's in the market, um, you know, Justin, how big of a, of a hot seat right now are these guys on?
0: Uh, it's it's the most pressure that I think Jim Benning has been under at any point over the course of his seven years as general manager. And that is kind of saying something, but kind of not also. Like, you would think that the heat would have been on him a little bit more often given the lack of results over the course of that time. But uh, it seemed like when Trevor Linden was ousted uh, a couple summers ago now, that that sort of was like a soft reset a little bit for uh, Jim Benning and John Wisebrod That, you know, they were... <laughs> kind of granted a, a a page break or a chapter break, I guess. Like, we are supposed to judge those as two completely separate eras. But, uh, you know, there is an intense uh, level of scrutiny, as there should be. A lot of these are unforced errors. A lot of these are, uh, you know, completely self-inflicted wounds. The fact that you were not allowed or not able to have salary space uh, to keep a player like Tyler Toffoli, who signed for a very reasonable deal with a team that you're going to face nine times over the course of this season, uh, that is, you know, managerial malfeasance. This is... uh, uh, These are huge errors that are finally coming home to roost, the likes of which, you know, have been very predictable for quite a while, you know uh, this is a team that rushes out to spend all of its available cap space every single July 1st, no matter how competitive they are, no matter what their uh, you know, outlook is for that coming season, they are obsessed with buying new baubles year over year over year, well that's not something that you can do in a salary cap system, you cannot have $20 million dollars in dead money sitting outside of your roster on a night-to-night basis. Uh, So yeah, there is a a, a lot of heat on Jim Benning because I think that is ultimately the person who is responsible for this club's troubles. There is also an, an amount of heat on Travis Green, which personally, I don't quite understand because You know, I would personally think that Travis demonstrated a heck of a lot in the uh, bubble playoffs in Edmonton last season. He showed that he has uh, the mind of a coach who is a very capable tactician and sort of relishes the opportunity to uh, match against an opponent over the course of seven games. That said, that hasn't really been apparent as a skill of his uh, this season, but I think that reflects more on the roster uh, that has been put in front of him uh, more than his abilities as a coach. If this slide continues, though, if this is a team that does not show signs of improvement, uh, you know, all options are on the table. I don't think anybody is safe here at the moment. Right now, I want to tell you, About auto parts. Yes, we know, folks, that going to a garage, going to uh, have your car looked at, can be an exhausting experience. Of course, there are so many makes and models these days that anywhere you go, probably not going to have the specific part that your car requires anyways. And you know how those guys are when you're in there. They don't have the part that you need, but they're going to try and sell you something that you don't. That is not the case, however, for the good folks At rockauto.com. Yes, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, you are always going to find what you need. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com Catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much to get the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, LOCKED ON in the how did you hear about us box so you know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com i look
1: at the last couple of weeks in in toronto or in uh, in vancouver and it's somewhat reminiscent to me to like the final two weeks of the Babcock tenure here where it seems like there's a lot of uninspired play, uh, you know, fairly inconsistent on a night-to-night basis. It seems like some guys uh, just just have given up a little bit and whatever it is, you can't win. You're losing a lot. And then even games where you thought, okay, maybe this is this is the, the game that we can win. You don't end up doing it uh, because you just have a lapse of uh, for just a few minutes within the game. And I just feel like Vancouver's kind of going through something very, very reminiscent to that. And I wonder if, if Benning looks at this and he says, look, this has been a couple of weeks now where we have just been getting kicked in the teeth. Uh clearly Travis doesn't have the antidote or we would have seen it already and and maybe there's something that we need to do here to change things up. It's very tough to make trades in today's NHL especially with COVID. I wonder if maybe Jim Benning's kind of last chance to try and save this this season is to get rid of Travis Green and try and bring in a fresh new voice. I mean obviously I, I'm with you. I don't think that that would be the answer. I don't think Green uh has done anything wrong. He's just kind Kind of has been dealt a pretty crappy hand, and it's tough, uh, you know, to, to to coach some guys who who just aren't getting it done. Especially what Benning ended up doing to to this roster over the course of the season. But a lot of times in hockey, good people, good men, good coaches do lose their job at the fault of of not at the fault of not their own. Sometimes it's just to try and wake up the team.
0: Uh, yeah, and at the at the same time, though, you know. It, a lot of talk this offseason, Mike, was about the fact that uh, because of the pandemic, because of uh, lack of crowds and lack of uh, revenue coming in the gates on a nightly basis, the purse strings really tightened up for this club over the course of the offseason. And that is sort of pointed at as to uh, maybe why they weren't able to get a little bit more creative and buy out a Brandon Sutter contract, for example, to find room for Tyler Toffoli. Well, if that's the case, if money is so tight that the general manager has to come to the owner for approval on doing literally anything right now, if you're Francesco Aquilini owning this team and your GM says, I want to fire my coach and go hire a new one, uh, would you be willing to allow him to do that? Like Considering you might be just as likely to uh, be letting him go and having to wipe your coach and start anew and and maybe be in one of those odd situations that the Canucks have been in before during Francesco Aquilini's ownership tenure where they are you know simultaneously paying three guys to be their head coach at the same time and two of them have long since been let go so uh, I do see a circumstance perhaps where Jim wants to make that move and is is just not able to and Mike, I want to know because this has been something that's really odd for me to hear and for me to think about myself because it's a topic that's come up quite a bit both on Locked On Canucks and in the general conversation around this team right now at the local and national level as it was quite a talking point on the 31 Thoughts podcast this week too. I don't know that I've ever heard before. You know, you just talked about the Mike Babcock situation, and it is a kind of common thing to to hear about players uh, tuning out their coach or quitting on their coach. I don't recall ever hearing before about a team that has quit on their GM. And yet that is what we are thinking about this Canucks team on a nightly basis. Uh, You know, from the, the lowest levels of uh, discourse on Twitter to the, uh, the highest tables of hockey night in Canada, that is the discussion around this team. And I don't know that there's a precedent for it, honestly.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You you bring up a great point. It's not very often that people, you know, kind of talk about the the GM being the issue for the on-ice product a lot of the times. I mean, it is in terms of roster building, but in terms of, of players playing uninspired like the Canucks have looked over the last little bit, yeah, you, you don't actually see that, but I'm curious if that is the case and, and actually what's going on. I, I think, like, when you do a parallel between the Maple Leafs and the Canucks, I think... The biggest difference between the two organizations and the two teams, you look at where the money goes, right? Always follow the money. For the Maple Leafs, all of the money is paid to their superstars. You got Matthews, you've got Marner, Tavares, Nylander. The guys who are earning the contracts are the guys who are making money in Toronto, and they're actually producing. Go look at what's going on in Vancouver. I don't need to tell you this. This is more for my audience to, to, to take a look at what's going on in Vancouver. But you look at where the money is over there, right? You've got Louis Erickson making $6 million a year. You've got Brandon Sutter making over $4 million a year. Savan Barchi is making over $3 million a year. And two of the three guys I just mentioned, so that makes up over $10 million in cap space. Two of those three guys are sitting on the practice squad out in Vancouver. and Then when you hear about the fact that they couldn't come up with the money to get a guy like Tyler Toffoli or keep Jacob Markstrom or keep Chris Tanev, yet you've got 15 million sitting on your practice taxi squad. I mean, that's just, Terrible, terrible team building.
0: Yeah, and the most frustrating part of that, Mike, is that a guy like Sven Berchi could play for this team right now. You cannot tell me that he would not be one of the nine best forwards available to this club at the moment. But for whatever reason, that relationship soured at some point in the last year and a half to the point where it doesn't matter how hard he plays in camp, how hard he practices, what kind of attitude he demonstrates when they sent him down to Utica last summer, uh, there's nothing that this guy can do to work his way back into the good graces of this coach or this organization or what to, to play again. Despite the fact that, you know, the Canucks were rolling out Justin Bailey this evening, and he looked very fast and had a a strong showing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to beg on Justin Bailey, but I, I challenge anyone watching this game from a Leafs perspective to tell me that the Canucks have the kind of depth in their forward group where Sven Bertschy, a proven, capable top nine NHL forward, does not have a role to play here. So, you know, there, there are, it's not just about the fact that there's dead money here, it's the complete lack of planning. They commit to these guys. Sam Gagne is another one. Ryan Spooner's buyout is currently on the Canucks books something that Contributed to preventing them from being able to sign Tyler Toffoli this offseason. The only reason that that money is there is because the Canucks signed Sam Gagne to a three year deal and gave up on him halfway through the first season uh, and just had this contract that they didn't know what to do with, this player that they didn't know what to do with. He wound up being loaned to the Toronto Marlies of all places. Like, uh, you know, this is a team that just habitually, again and again, has shown a lack of foresight. A lack of grand planning in terms of where these pieces are going to fit. And you're right, when you compare where the Canucks are at versus the Leafs, I think that is like the ultimate example as to why Jim Benning is just a thousand percent not the right person to be leading this team into its next stage in in where they have to go because Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen's contracts expire simultaneously at the end of this season. You know, starting next year, starting this summer, you are going to need to be paying those guys at about the same level that the big four in Toronto get paid. And that is when the job of a general manager really begins because what Kyle Dubas has to do every single offseason is something that Jim Benning could never do, and that is replace key pieces contending teams like the Leafs are going to lose a Nazem Kadri they are going to lose a Tyson Berry they are going to lose uh you know you name it any number of uh pieces that are no longer with the Leafs that had looked good Andreas Janssen I'm sure I'm uh forgetting Kasperi Kapanen you know the a a piece that would have meant so much to the Vancouver Canucks uh over the last several years and yet the leaves continue to roll because you 're able to go out and identify and and sign guys like uh, mikhaev and and guys like uh uh, uh, letting in, you know, these, these players who come out of nowhere. Uh, Jim Benning hasn't been able to do that when his team was rebuilding and had nothing to offer these guys but plenty of ice time. You could have stepped right into the NHL by playing for the Canucks over the last seven years. He hasn't been able to find those European free agents when the team was bad. Why on earth would you think he'd be able to do that when the team is going to be good and needs findings like that to stay contentious year over year the way the Leafs are able to?
1: Man, there is so much pain behind those words, Justin. You, it seems like you are almost, almost fed up with this team, man. I love the passion that you're throwing at me right now. And, and honestly, it's all true. It's all true. I, I understand coming, uh, where you're coming from, man. Vancouver. Um they've there's something's got to change here but let's switch up the conversation go for before we do that
0: i I do have one more quick thing and i think toronto fans will appreciate this as well you know (laughs) josh levo was so insignificant to the maple leafs that they literally (laughs) sought out a team that wouldn't want him and gave him away for nothing he is such a significant loss to the Canucks this year, uh, where you know Tyler Mott gets placed on the injured reserve before this game gets started this afternoon. And, you know, Vancouver fans are basically calling, just saying, this is it, season's over at this point, we're hopeless, our bottom six standout Tyler Mott is on the shelf, and no one can possibly replace those contributions, so uh, I think that speaks a lot to where the depth of this team is relative to uh, the depth of the Leafs. And we'll get back to that in just a second, but right now I want to tell you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are still in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. It is updated real time with odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts.
1: And with that, we can transition into tonight's game because I thought coming into it, This was a near must win for Vancouver. Um, Although they didn't play bad and they should have won the game, I still fear for what a loss like this could do to that locker room. I guess we've kind of talked about it already, but I I felt that coming into tonight's game, the reason why we saw Braden Holpe go out and start this game tonight is because it was Travis Green telling his team, saying, hey, I'm challenging you guys to play better in front of this guy. You guys played like horse crap the other day. You need to step up and do better and for your man, for your goalie. And they gave him that opportunity to do it tonight. I thought Vancouver actually responded. I thought that they answered the bell. And if it wasn't for that 15-second lull where the Leafs were able to score two goals there in the third period, I think Vancouver played outside of those that, that time, maybe a quick five minutes in the third. A perfect game.
0: Uh, yeah, but also, I mean, first of all, I will say I do agree with you. We we're talking about you know the tactical mind of Travis Green. I do think that going back to Braden Holtby in this game is maybe one of his better, if not his best, coaching move of the season. Other than his willingness to uh, just let Nils Hoglander uh, run free to start his NHL career, two fantastic decisions by Travis Green. Uh, because yes, like you said, we got that death stare from Holtby uh, after just the unbelievably poor effort from JT Miller on Saturday night. And it was that fire in the belly. Travis came out and admitted that that was why he wanted to go back to Braden Holtby. Uh, But there is like a a second part of that, psychologically speaking, which is, yes, like you touched on, you owe this goalie a better performance than what you gave him. And it is kind of best to go back and clear the air on that as quickly as possible, because there is a potential that, you know, uh, (laughs) a sour effort like that can sour the atmosphere of the relationship in the locker room. And if Braden Holtby doesn't play again for another week, then you're letting that kind of sit in the air in your room and you don't want to do something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I did think that the team gave a much more inspired effort, one of their best of the season at the same time. Like, what does it say about this team that this is their best effort of the season and the Leafs can turn it on for 11 seconds and still win? Like, I did get the vibe on Saturday and again uh, on Monday that this was a Toronto team that sort of was just toying with their opponent and knew they could dominate them uh, at the drop of a hat whenever they wanted to.
1: Maybe, but I I don't think you're, we're giving enough credit here to the way Freddie Anderson played tonight. Like, to me, he's first, second, third star. I just do do three starts of the game. Freddie Anderson was phenomenal. And there were many times where Vancouver could have scored and and really took it upon themselves to take a a grasp of this game. But Freddie was there all night long. He was tested all night long. You look at those first two periods. I mean, Vancouver outshot Toronto uh, 27-7. to And the expected goals for tonight, he was expected to, or the the Canucks were expected to score, scored two and a half goals tonight, only scored one. So Freddie Anderson, to me, was the real star of tonight and is the only reason, why Vancouver didn't walk out of there with two points.
0: It was just... You know something wrong with this Canucks group at the moment too, right? It just feels like this is a team that's going to be able to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, as it were, uh, the way things are going right now. And hey, maybe maybe the players themselves want to see some sort of change at the top just as badly as uh, a, a good many people in the market do. You're right though; like they they did play pretty well tonight, especially the guys who have really been the subject of extreme criticism. Namely, JT Miller, uh, who has earned that criticism. I'm not going to say he has been an unwarranted whipping boy. He's been terrible to start the season. I thought he gave a more complete effort, uh, especially as far as back checking went in this one. But, you know, this team is what it is. Uh, when you're going to have a rookie defenseman in the lineup every single night, teams who have depth, teams who have. Uh, you know, just monstrously potent scoring wingers like Toronto does are going to be able to target an Ole Levy. They're going to be able to target a Jalen Chatfield on a nightly basis. And uh, that's the risk you run when you throw these kids into the deep end in a year where the team is supposed to be better than this. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but it just feels like... You know, the question in Vancouver week after week is, is this rock bottom? And I almost feel like it's just bad mojo to even ask the question. You're tempting the vibes to show you that things can indeed get worse. And for this team, they, they continually have a habit of doing just that.
1: Yeah, I, I, trust me, uh, a lot of Leaf fans are well aware of those conversations that you have with yourself about whether or not, how could it possibly get better or how could it possibly get worse and then you go out the next night and you lose 6-1 to the Penguins uh and it's just like oh that's how you just get dusted
0: well I, uh, I have a question for you Mike about the Leafs because I was kind yeah. of surprised uh, during one of the intermissions tonight they were they asked the panel uh, what the most surprising team in the NHL has been thus far and it wasn't in the North Division it was in the entire league I'm pretty sure Elliot Friedman picked the Toronto Maple Leafs uh who were expected to be the best team in the North this year And to this point in the season, have only played the other confirmed good team in their division once. So uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just don't see the surprise here. This is the team that we expected to see, I think, on some level. Uh, And you have to recognize, if you're the Leafs or if you're Montreal, that, quite frankly, the rest of your division just is not very good.
1: I think the biggest difference is when you take a look at the Leafs, you know, on paper, you could say, okay, they look great. It looks like they've improved. There's a lot of turnover, but it seems like they, it's the right type of turnover, but that's it. It was just on paper. I think the fact that it's actually coming to fruition is what's somewhat surprising because that hasn't happened for, for Toronto for a long time. You know, we always wanted that coveted right-handed offensive defenseman. We thought we had it last year. When you traded Nazem Kajibri and Tyson Berry, it didn't work on paper. It looked great. In actuality, it was a horrendous decision. And the same thing could be said, you know, letting go of, of speedy skill guys like Cas uh, Kasperi, happening, like Andreas Janssen, um, you know, could have really been a detriment to this team if guys like Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton didn't turn out to be decent players, or if, you know, Austin Matthews didn't uh, turn into – frigate mr consistent and i think that's the biggest difference for this team when you look at last year and the years prior it's consistency tonight may not be a good example about consistency (laughs) because they didn't play great at all uh for the most part but up until tonight the fact that this team is going out and not only on a game-to-game basis but really shift to shift and look at the last couple of games against against the, the the canucks and Leafs, they dominated legitimately almost every single shift whoever they threw out over the boards was going out there and was hemming the the Canucks in their own zone they were putting pressure and they were moving the puck around at will and then when they were in their own zone they weren't giving up anything in front of uh in front of Anderson so I think when it comes to discussing the Maple Leafs you have to think about kind of the past in the past Things have looked nice on paper, but in actuality, it just hasn't worked out. But this year, surprisingly, it's worked
0: out. That is is a very good point. And, uh, you know, that is something that I did not consider necessarily, which is that the expectation has been that they should be this way (laughs) kind of every year for the last uh, however many now. So point taken. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, anything, like, what else stood out to you about tonight's game, though? Like, a, a, from either perspective, from a Leafs or a Canucks, like, what, what stood out to you?
0: Uh, I I loved Ilya Mikheyev's game tonight. I thought uh, just that ability to use that size. You know, I mentioned earlier his uh, the victimization of Ole Ulevi. Um, <laughs> he was kind uh, of yep. chief among oh, them, but I, I just, you know, that level of power... Uh, and and for a guy to to be to use it to his advantage too, you know, especially. I'm in a city where I've been watching a guy like Jake Vertanen, who has all the tools in the box except the brain to put them to work, uh, to see a power forward actually want to lean in and play that game. I was very impressed with him tonight. And on the Vancouver side, I thought uh, Adam Gaudet responded to a healthy scratch exactly the way you would want someone to. He was flying tonight. And honestly, that third line in general with Justin Bailey and Brandon Sutter uh, – their Corsi numbers were utterly fantastic. Um, just the injection of speed also brought another level of speed out of Gaudette. Um, I thought that line was great. And, you know, it's it's a very rare night here in Vancouver where I am saying that line was great about a line that was centered by Brandon <laughs> Sutter.
1: Very true. Very true. But, uh, no, I thought that, that you know, that, that line as a whole actually played pretty well um, on on. You know, from a Vancouver perspective or from a Toronto perspective to me, I was kind of surprised. You, you look at how well Vancouver played, but the one line who struggled a little bit, and I think it's more so just the fact that Toronto did a good job shutting him down was the Horvat line. I felt that Horvat and, and the entire line was really kept in check at the Riley and TJ Brody were, were taking a lot away and and, and not giving them anything in the offensive zone, at least. And, and to me, I think that's a, a big thing too. Horvat's been struggling a little bit there for Vancouver. Um, and that that needs to probably change. He's your captain if Vancouver wants to, to win more games here. But I, I, that was something that still stood out to me. The, the defensive pairing of Morgan Riley and TJ Brody tonight was fantastic.
0: Well, the funny thing about that Horvat line is that they were the one bit of consistency you could point to on this team through a lot of the early struggles. Pearson Horvat, and Hoaglander were just outstanding, and a lot of that is the work ethic of Nils Hoaglander as a first-year player coming in and just kind of inspiring his teammates by the way that he just refuses to say die on any play and his vision and spatial awareness and the way he's able to chip the puck off the wall and find himself in stride basically anywhere on the ice. He's been incredible to watch. They broke that lineup though, to try and get the rest of the lineup going and in doing so have you know sort of killed the golden goose as it were they put him back together tonight and i didn't think the magic was quite there in the same way but you know another fine performance from nils hoglander once again i do have to ask you uh, are kind of fans outside of vancouver taking notice of that guy the same way that we are you know it was hard not to notice him tonight the way he was gushing blood but uh, <laughs> oh yeah the effort yeah. on a nightly basis has just been outstanding from him
1: yeah, I thought Niles Hoglander has actually been a a real good uh, good player so far this year. Definitely a big surprise for uh, for them. I think he was what last year's second round pick from Vancouver. Considering that he made the NHL uh, in his you know draft plus one year is surprising, but the fact that he also made it ahead of. Uh, Vasily Podkolz I don't think if you would have put like a wager, who's going to make an NHL impact first, I don't think Hoglander would have been somebody I would have figured over Podkolz but here we are. And he's certainly on a nightly basis. I think is someone who's definitely earning his keep in the NHL. And I think now he is going to be a full-time uh, NHL at this point, I would assume. So yeah, certainly I think uh, the whole league is, is taking notice at least up up here in Canada. I, I find that I am really, uh, driven uh, or like I'm pretty much just focusing on what's going on here in the North division, right? Yeah. Uh, you might be the same. I've talked to a couple of other people down in the States. They're very much just, just keeping up with what's going on in their own division. Cause that's all that matters up until what uh, probably until June, I would say when, when they finally get out into the conference finals or the, the semi-final of the playoffs, it's only going to be divisional games from here until June. So it's tough to even care about what's going on elsewhere when each and every night two points are up for grabs in your division and it matters so, so much.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in in a normal year, it feels like it's the role of national media to keep us up to date on the league at large, you know? uh, You get a lot of regional coverage on your team and your divisional opponents within your uh, markets coverage, and it's the kind of uh, national media at large that is coloring in the details on the stories that you might be missing this year the national media is entirely focused on the national division and yeah I you don't hear really much at all uh, about the other teams and what's going on south of the border on television in particular which is kind of funny but uh, I you know I do my best I guess with the athletic and so on etc to try and keep tabs on other teams but it is yeah all Canada all the time it's just unfortunate that the league doesn't really think about um, uh, the TV product and the, the need to have, like, staggered start times and that sort of thing. Like, there were, I think, four games that started all at the same time this evening, and they all go into intermission at the same time. And uh, I, I think the TV partners are probably pretty happy about that, but the viewers at home would probably like to be able to hop between games more than they're able to at the moment.
1: Well, I think everyone was just spoiled with that during the playoffs where you literally had like just twelve hours straight of hockey. And for hockey junkies such as you and I, we were we were loving it. Literally, it's like you wake up. You eat breakfast, you have lunch, and then all of a sudden you got hockey for the rest of the day, and, oh. and not just hockey, playoff hockey, the best type of hockey. <laughs> and now we're saying, ah, well, why don't we just get that all the time? <laughs> I think we're just spoiled there, but uh, it'd be cool. But I, I doubt that is going to happen. Well, I got one thing for you, I, I a couple other things. So sure. you, you asked me about about. Uh, Hoglander and how you think that he's been doing um, someone who got injured in the last game was uh, Wayne Simmons. So he had a, a broken rest He's going to be out for six weeks. I as a leaf uh, leaf observer tonight really felt that his absence was was felt. Um, I thought that the Canucks were were kind of taking a more of an aggressive tone with the Leafs. I thought Edler was out there. He was kind of a hitting machine. And I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that there was no big bad Wayne Simmons out there who was going to have to who you were going to have to answer the bell to if you made a run at one of these guys. Do you think that that made an impact at all? And that kind of changed the mindset for Vancouver going into this one?
0: Um, A little bit, maybe. I also think the, the loss of Tyler Mott on the Vancouver side probably plays a role there, too. I know I was just sarcastically saying, what does it say about Vancouver's depth that Tyler Mott is out and everybody acts like it's a huge deal? Well, it kind of is a big deal. He actually has been very, very good, and when that element of your game is going to be gone, you kind of collectively need to step up and fill it by committee. Uh, we saw Vancouver do that in the absence of Tyler Mott, Not necessarily so much on the Leafs side in the absence uh, of Wayne Simmons, but... Man, what a surprise for for Wayne Simmons, too, the way that he has been playing and that goal that he scored the other night. My goodness. Uh, You know, that's a guy that was a rumored trade target at the deadline for the Canucks a few years ago, and uh, the the faithful out West were kind of panicking that it seemed like the natural Benning thing to do to just give a guy like that a a four-year, $5 million deal or what have you. That's probably lowballing it on both term and figure, but... You know, people really did not want that to happen, myself included, um... I think there is something too, though, you know, you can have these players. It is good to have them just know their worth and what you are, you know, getting out of them and where you are putting them. Jason Spezza is a excellent player to have uh, in your lineup at the rate that the Leafs are paying him. You know, it would be a different story if Joe Thornton was being paid million a season for the next four years at his current age, right? But uh, veterans are very important. Paying them like they're stars is just not necessary.
1: Yeah, and I think that goes back to what we were discussing earlier when, you know, you've got your rear Roussels and your Sutters and your Beagles and your Ericksons. And I could go on and on when I talk about Vancouver's bottom six. Who just but pay, the, who look their contrast. age
0: too. Who look their age.
1: I know. And then in contrast, you look at what Toronto's paying their bottom six. And outside of Kerfoot, you don't have a single guy that's making over two million dollars. Not a single one.
0: Jason Spezza looks like he's in his late 20s again right now,
1: basically. $700,000 scoring hat tricks in 2021. (laughs) It's great to see. Great to see. We love it here up in Toronto. I don't know how much you guys loved it, though.
0: Uh, I kind of did really enjoy it. Again, like, we're waiting on firings here in Vancouver, so you can dummy (laughs) the team as much as you like. We're going to get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah. Well, they just help. We're helping it get along. That's all help. Helping it get along. Um, all right, man, Justin, really appreciate you joining the show today. That was a lot of fun. Uh, once again, Maple Leafs of defeating the Vancouver Canucks by a score of three to one. And that's a three game sweep of the Canucks. Love to see it. If you're a Leaf fan, Maybe you love to see it if you're a Canucks fan. Sounds like you do, Justin.
0: <laughs> go Leafs Go, baby. Go Leafs go. There it is, you're Locked On Canucks for the day. Catching up with Mike Stefano of Locked On Leafs and TSN 1050 in Toronto. Uh, enjoyed that conversation. And uh, lots of lots of misery in common between these two fan bases and franchises in terms of what we have experienced over the last I don't know, twenty odd years, but uh You never want to admit how much you have in common with your enemy, and so we will put a pin in that for now and uh, revisit this perhaps the next time these teams meet down the old dusty road. Until then, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.